Tapper Dividends number 47. Heck yeah, it's Tapper Dividends number 47. I got my guitar, did my own little jingle intro this time. Why not? I'll just uh I'll just talk and uh play guitar, talk to you about dividends here. Uh, you know I can't. That was really tough for me to do. Uh Eddie Van Halen, famous guitarist, was not able to speak and play guitar or sing and play guitar. It was one of the things he just couldn't do. He had a mental block there. And I'm kind of the same way. It's so tough for me to talk. I can I can sing. Uh as you saw I or have you a few of F <laughs> it's Friday night. We're fumbling and stumbling and bumbling and mumbling over our words. But if you have not seen on the Dapper Dividends playlist, I did sing a song with my daughter. There is a punk song called The Crowd, sung by Operation Ivy, and my daughter's name is Ivy. So I sung that song with her about six years ago, seven years, six, seven years, something like that. She was just a little cute kid and I miss where that kid has gone. Now they're just, she's going to be 13, uh, the 28th of this month and just all the problems of the world. And yeah, your kids grow up fast. If you have them, if you don't have them, if they are adults, you know what I'm talking about. And, um, yeah, that's what's going on. My looking forward to my daughter being 13 years old, how time flies. And you know how time really does fly as a dividend growth investor. I've been seriously doing this now for coming up on about two and a half-ish years when I really started getting into it. Three years when I became aware. It was about summer of fall, yeah, maybe fall of 2017 late summer, early fall of 2017, when I really started getting away from trading penny stocks and doing things of that nature. So in a way, I'm a little bit upset that I was not taught this. Even my grandfather, who I dearly love, he passed away at the age of 90 in 2005. And it was always just taught, go get a job, uh, you know, when I got out of the Navy, get a job with an employer that plays a good pension, get in the union if you can, and just work and save 10% was what they would tell me. Now, he had mutual funds and he would put money into Disney and Coca-Cola, AT&T, things like that. But he never really showed me how I just, he just had these. And it's unfortunate. Maybe he didn't know how to teach it. I don't know, but he would. They would always just tell me my grandparents. They lived through the Great Depression, and they would always say, "Save ten percent of your money." But they never taught me what that meant. And I was too young. I was just like, oh, "Okay, sure, it's being taken out of my paycheck, done." But it really wasn't. And when I got my my IRA, I've been putting into um, the four hundred one k. I'm sorry, which is an IRA since twenty. 2003, I picked the mutual funds and I would look once or twice a year and just kind of be like, all right, well, I guess, you know, this basket of funds, there was always in American funds, like 13, 14 different funds to choose from. And, you know, that that's what I did. I, I wish I could have those years back to start working on side hustles and trying to build multiple streams of income. One of the best analogies I heard was 
what would be better to have one fishing pole in one pond or to have many fishing poles in many different ponds? Because the as it goes in the, in the analogy, what happens when that pond dries up and you can no longer pull resources or fish from it? You're screwed. Now you're going to have to be hungry while you look for another pond. So while it's feeding you and while you know there's fish in there, you should be looking for other ponds, look for other poles to buy, to put into other fishing holes to keep those streams coming. But it's okay. I'm with you here. We're doing it. I am the next great dividend investor because I am super persistent and dedicated and always trying to learn and improve. And I will be here with you. We'll get through this. We'll do this. I will share whatever I know share you what I'm learning, what I'm seeing, what I'm thinking. It's okay. I'm here for you. You're here for me. We'll do this together. Today, I felt as I was coming down here to record the show, the, the our patio door was open and there was some real cool air blowing in. And boy, I tweeted it out. I just felt the first chill of fall and I love fall. It's unfortunate though, that there's this this pandemic, yes, going on because football starts. What it basically is, is September is football starts and then the month ends with my daughter's birthday. And then after her birthday starts my favorite month, which usually is when hockey starts. It's so bizarre that we are going into the Stanley Cup finals now with uh, Dallas and Tampa Bay. Doesn't feel re- right. Training camp should be underway right now in the world of hockey. And it's, I don't know, it's a weird year. It's been a weird year. You don't need to tell me how weird of a year it is. And even weirder now, I just found out getting on the uh, on the air, I guess, so to speak, that RBG, the notorious RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg Supreme Court Justice, has finally passed away and succumbed to her many bouts of cancer. I believe it was pancreatic cancer that got her, just a nasty form of cancer. And I don't, I don't necessarily agree. She was 87. I don't think you should. I'm a big fan of term limits and there is nothing, there's no provision in the United States constitution that says that Supreme court justices serve for life. It's basically, if I remember right, as long as they have good behavior and they're not, not removed. So they can be removed, but it's just tradition. They serve for life. And I don't understand these politicians, why they want to like John McCain until he died, <laughs> retire, have, have a little bit of a life, get out of politics. I'm a big advocate and fan of term limits. I think we should have term limits. And unfortunately there's two old codgers that are, you know, pardon me if that offends you, but there's two old codgers that are running for president this time. And I, I honestly, I'm, I'll vote, but I'm not voting for either one of those. I'll tell you right now. And whether that's throwing my vote away or not, you can say that, but I don't believe so. I just telling you that that's me. Uh, I too much, you know, I'm not a big fan of it. There's already politics. The political ads are ramping up. I can't watch a football game without seeing political ads and they're going to solve the world's problems. And I don't know how people keep buying this every four years, hook, line and sinker. I'll solve all the problems and I'll make your life amazing. No, you won't. Hopefully you're probably just going to keep it status quo. Uh, It's not going to be the end of the world and you're not going to solve all the problems. It's going to be more of the same is what it'll be. And that's, you know, 
that's fine. A lot of people buy into that. There's a lot of people walking around with their umbilical cords hanging out as the saying I often hear goes, but it's very apropos and true. There are a lot of people and because politics, as I say, is downstream from culture, people want to be taken care of. I always say you can you either have to work toward freedom or security. You can't have both. And unfortunately, I think a lot of my fellow compatriots here in America would like to have security and not freedom. They don't want as much risk. But that's neither here nor there. That's I'm not going to get too political. I think you're kind of figuring out that I'm in the, what do they call it? The extreme center. He's an extreme centerer. Uh, yeah, so that's... Uh, that's what it is. It's it's habit, I think, though, that people keep doing this year after year. Uh, I read in the book, The Power of Habit, that in produce stores and in grocery stores, that the produce is always at the usually at the front right of the store. And they do that because they want people to buy the produce. And then they psychologically think, well, I bought the good food. And then the rest of the store is filled with all the junk and the nasty stuff. So a little bit of a psychological trick that they tap into. All right. So my guy, Mike from Joliet, uh, fellow Illinoisan, what's up, Mike? He said, as a dividend investor, how do you balance the need or pressures or FOMO to not go for all yields or lean toward yield and expose yourself to more risk? Example, IBM, AT&T, O. I typically lean toward Johnson & Johnson, Kimberly-Clark 3M. I've been investing for six years and I'm about the same age as you. So check it out, Mike. Yeah, I basically go for those same things as you. Uh, I've refocused ever since COVID and I saw all the dividend cuts. It strengthened my resolve to look for those companies that have uh, a safe and growing dividend over yield. Obviously yield is one of the last things I've trained myself to look at. I'm not impervious though. Sometimes you see that high yield, but so the higher the yield, obviously the bigger the red flag it is to me. And I wanna see why does it have that high yield? Uh, so basically as long as there's a low free cash flow, if they're, if they're under 50% is a really safe number, 60, 65 is kind of pushing it for free cash flow, not not a gap uh, earnings per share, but for low free cash flow is what I like. That gives me a really good feeling. Uh, another warm and fuzzy comes from the net margin as long as that is somewhere at least, at least 7%. I, I kind of look for that as a bare minimum. That can give them a bump in the road, a little bit of cushion. Uh, what happens if they take a 5% hit and you have a company with a net margin of 3%? Not good. They're going to have to make some drastic changes because now they're not profitable. So in, in the case of, you mentioned IBM, I took a quick peek at IBM. Uh, they do have a low free cash flow, which was right around, I didn't write it down, but I do remember what a great memory I have. It's right around uh, 30, 32%. Don't quote me on that. It's in the 30 percentile for free cash flow, which is very nice, very safe. Uh, they have a 10 percent net margin, which is great that out of all the money, every dollar coming in, they're keeping 10 cents. And they have I also look for a steady to slight decrease 
in year-over-year earnings. Obviously, the ideal situation is to see earnings growth, but you want to see that earnings just at least be steady. And if it is declining, there should be a good reason. And I do like to look at year-over-year because quarter-over-quarter does not always account for cyclicality. So I almost everything I look at is year over year because I like that that number. I, I don't get too dismayed by quarters. When I finally see that year over year number, then that is what really grabs me. And that's what I like to see. So I hope that answered your question a bit. I just I don't buy into it. Uh, I get a little nervous with Altria. They're way up there. AT&T. But again, Altria is one of the ones that it makes me nervous. I don't think they'll cut it. And I don't remember. I know they're not funding their dividend out of debt, which is the, that's like the biggest red flag of all. But they're up there. But I know that they've always had a high free cash flow payout ratio because they don't want a lot of money sitting around and they just want to return that money to shareholders because, you know, idle hands being the devil's playground and idle cash as well. They don't want that cash sitting around. So they give a lot of it back to the the owners of the company, to the shareholders. So we got a lot to get to here. This was a busy week. It turned out to be really, really busy. We'll just start with my taxable I received a slew of dividends every three months from now. So the next month will be December and then March. I think so. Did I do that right? I didn't do that right. So so we've got, what month are we in? September, October, November, December, January, February, March, and then uh, April, May, June. So those three months spaced out every three months in that cyclicality are the big, big months for me. So this week in the taxable, mind you, I received $17.64 from 3M, Mike's aforementioned 3M. Love 3M. I should buy more. Uh, I wanted to come down a touch, but what's, beggars can't be choosy. And I'm, I'm really nitpicking here and I'm too busy with other things. This is the problem. It's, it's so hard to buy everything. You want to buy everything. So 3M is just a little bit expensive for me right now. And I'm more focused on other things, but I did receive $17.64 from 3M, $12.50 from McDonald's, $5.60 from Realty Income. More on them later. $10.62 from Duke and $15.40 from Prudential. More on them so this week, just from those companies, I received $61.76. That's awesome. Now I do, I don't drip. I just don't like it. It's not my style. I like to take that that dividend, whatever, how small the dividend is, is every week I put new money in. So I just cut the new cash with the dividend. Kind of like drug dealer reference there. Yeah. So I cut the new cash, or I cut the dividend into the new cash. So that new cash is diluted with uh, dividend money, true passive income money coming at you, coming in, coming in hot. So that's what I got this week, 61 bucks. Uh, More actually on realty income announced yesterday. Yeah, today, (laughs) yesterday, realty income had their 108th dividend increase and they increased it to 0.23 
0.40 cents. So almost 23 and a half cents, and that is up from 0.2335 cents, which equates to two dollars and eighty. No, not eighty-eight. <laughs> 2.808. That's better cents per year on each share of realty income. I'm so sorry for that, people, but I'm leaving that in. And what did I sell? So I told you, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I've been selling REITs. On Monday, I sold uh, CubeSmart, popped up. I wish I would have held a little bit longer. So I, I literally made a few bucks on it. I sold 10 shares of my CubeSmart, all 10, for $32.43 at 30, not four. That would be terrible. Uh, I got, so $324 I got out of that. Uh, I also today sold all of my realty income shares from the taxable account. I sold 25 shares at $63.03. So I profited $190 on that. Now I am going to be using those in my uh, self-directed IRA. So it's all my money, but I can't put the money directly in. Well, I could, but it wouldn't wouldn't be so smart because I'd be getting taxed twice. So the reason I, I won't do that is because I paid taxes on the money that I have right now. And if I were to just go to Schwab and put a dollar in, well, I already paid taxes on that dollar. And when it grows, I would have to pay taxes on that again. So might as well just keep it in the taxable. So what I will be doing is in March, I'm planning on, I don't know, about 30K, maybe another 20K I'll pull out of Schwab and put over. And I'm just going to keep doing that because I just enjoy this so much better. There's so much more flexibility running my own self-directed IRA. I'm confident enough and it's, I like it better not having to pay the expense ratios to American funds to have them run the and they're actively managing. I love it. When I look at their the basket of, of mutual funds, it's just, it's ridiculous. Amazon, Facebook, Google, Tesla, just all these companies, it's brainless. So I'm paying them money for that. Yeah. So anyway, what was I saying? I'm getting off on a tangent here, I'm losing my voice already. I get excited. I love it. I, I love this. I could just talk all night long. All night long, all night, all night, all night long. So on Monday, I bought two shares of CVS. That's a new position, ticker symbol CVS. I did talk about that on the last show. I bought those at $57.75. Uh, that added $4 of annual dividend income. I bought one share on Tuesday of Johnson & Johnson, old tried and true at $148.89. That added $4.04. Thursday, yesterday, I bought my share of Pepsi a day early, which I should have waited. I thought it was hitting a, on the chart, it looked like it was hitting a heavy support area, which it kind of has. It just dropped a buck lower. So I got that share for $132.60. And that adds $4.09. I have one minimum, one share of Pepsi a week. That's what I'm adding until I get to 100 so I can start writing covered calls on it. Because those big blue chip premiums, those are the ones that are the nice big money makers. Uh, actually, I bought a, I'll tell you about Facebook. I bought a covered call, or not a covered call. I just bought a, a call option today. And 
you can make some good money in a short amount of time with the big blue chips, but but you have to own 100 shares, so you're paying up. I bought today. So after I sold O, I went on a little bit of a shopping spree. I bought one share of Kimberly Clark at $145.75. And then a little later on, I bought another share, another three shares of Kimberly Clark at $145.62. So four shares today of Kimberly Clark added $17.12 of dividend income. And then I love Prudential. I bought one share of Prudential at $68.49. That is my 15th share for, uh, that added $4.40, $4.40 of dividend income. They have a low payout ratio. They have no problem maintaining that dividend. And there is another insurance company. So in the financial sector, the banks, I don't trust them right now with all the regulation that came down a few months ago. I think that insurance companies are where it's at. I want to get into MetLife. I'm going to wait for a little bit better of a price right now while I was looking at the chart. I think I'll I think I'll do a video on after this is done. My wife and kids are by my brother-in-law's house tonight hanging out for a little bit, so they'll probably be home in about an hour. So as soon as I wrap up this, I think I'll do a quick maybe uh maybe I'll do Facebook and Pepsi and what was I just talking about? Facebook, Pepsi. Oh, MetLife. And then I'll pick one more at random. Tesla is always a good one. That That's a fun one. I love charting Tesla. Seeing my predict, making my prediction where it's going to go. Anyway, so I got a share of Prudential, which is insurance and MetLife is insurance. I think the insurance companies are the best thing to be into right now because the whole financial sector is beaten down and i think the insurance companies are going to have a much easier time than the banks will coming back and then hey i love my abvi you know my affinity with abvi i bought two more shares of abvi at 89 dollars and 56 cents which added nine dollars and 44 cents a year so basically out of that whole litany of everything i added from this week gave me an additional $43.09 of dividend income, which, you know, we're not breaking the bank here. And I know there's people on Twitter that flaunt things, but hey, they're not me. So I don't care. We're going through this and I'm telling you what I'm doing. You're getting to see this, you see the kid, the young kid coming up, doing his thing. But I have to take into account though, that after selling 25 shares of realty income and 10 shares of CubeSmart, that knocked me down $84 a year of dividend income just in the taxable. It's okay. It's shifting because I'm going to uh, eventually get that back, you know, in short order into the some volatility today too in the market. So I'm thinking we might have a much more volatile week next week if these support levels do not hold. So we'll see. I'll buy. I, I don't want. I don't like spending it all. I want to save it. Do my dollar cost averaging. And even though I pulled money out, we'll see if I can get some things at a better price. So I did lose about eighty-four bucks. Added forty-three, and I still have nine hundred ninety-one dollars and fifty-nine cents of cash laying around that I can buy. So it'll, it'll creep up. It'll get there. And my annual dividend income. This will be on the website tomorrow is at $1,490.23. And I will be covering this on my YouTube channel. I'm kind of integrating and experience, uh, experimenting and mixing things up in that. 
And then as I was saying, I bought a Facebook call option a for next Friday. So in the morning, there was a little bit of a dip and then things started going up and then it started trending down. So I thought, you know what, I'll, I'm going to do this. I feel, I'm feeling like gambling. And I bought a Facebook call at $190. So it's for a $270 uh, share price. That's the strike price. And it expires next Friday, the 25th at $270. I bought that for $190. And then, of course, as soon as I bought it, what happened? Oh, boy, look how <laughs> just, you know, the market, the, the bottom fell out, I guess, as they say. And that went down to $102 right now is what it's worth. So I'm terrible with stock. I was going to put a stop in at 150 at a buck 50. And I'm glad I didn't because it popped up and then it went down. So I, I'm sticking to the chart. The chart is telling me that we're going to bounce. We're at a major support level. So $250 for Facebook is a major support level. If you look left, I'm going to talk about this on the chart on YouTube. I'll put up big support level and I'm betting that that's going to hold. And it did hold. It went down to $250 and two cents. Please God, give me a bump up to the two sixties on like Tuesday, Wednesday, and I'll be, I'll be good. I'll be able to get my money back and get out with a slight profit. All right, I'm wearing myself out here. So let's go through the self-directed IRA and what I bought and what I got. Uh, some of the same dividends. I got $13.23 from 3M. Consolidated Edison, ticker symbol ED, I got $7.65. McDonald's, I got $5. And then ticker symbol O Realty Income was $5.84. Barrick Gold, ticker symbol G-O-L-D, paid me $2. That's some of that paper gold, they call it. I have precious metal in my house. I have the physical metals, and then I have paper gold. So Barrick Gold paid me $2. And the last one, Duke, ticker symbol D-U-K, gave me a buck ninety-three. So I got paid $35.65 in the IRA. Not too bad. A couple buys. I bought two shares of Kimberly Clark on Tuesday at $147.10, which those two shares gave me $8.56 of annual dividend income. And then today, so if you remember, I sold 25 shares in the taxable and I don't want to buy it all at once. So check this. This is the cool thing. In the taxable, I sold those 25 shares at $63.03. And what did I buy them for at in the IRA, $62.86. That's the name of the game. I sold high and I'm buying low. And then, of course, as soon as I bought those, it went down to the, I don't know where O is at. I think it's at the 60, 60, uh, 230s, something like that. So that added an additional $36.64 of dividend income. And I had a covered call expire. Here we go. Here's money. So my Altria $46 covered call I sold back, uh, what, a month or so ago for 19 bucks expired worthless because Altria did not close over $46 a share. So I keep that 19 bucks, obviously, and I keep my 100 shares. Hey, I won't, I won't sneeze at that. Let's take it. I'm losing it. I'm loopy. 
I'm going to get out of here. Follow me on Twitter at RustyRam78. And what else was I going to... Oh, MetLife. I'll talk about MetLife later. They uh, No, I'll talk about them now. Let's just get it all out. Let's go crazy with it. They... Um, so MetLife, ticker symbol M-E-T, just really quickly... I was looking at the chart and earlier this week I could have bought it in the $36 range and it popped up around over 40, almost 41. But I'm looking at the chart and I think we're going to go down to 37.50-ish, which is where I like to buy it. But MetLife is 1863. They're an insurance company, if you don't know. And those two metrics I like to look at 30% of free cash flow and their net margin is 10%. And their earnings per share six dollars and eleven cents and i believe they pay 41 cents uh per quarter so you want a dollar dollar 64 a year uh is that right i'm so bad at math i am terrible 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 in math anyway so whatever it is six dollars and eleven cents they earn per share they can more than cover that dividend and it has been growing for many years so check that out. Look at Met. I'm going to buy some Met when it comes down a little bit. And that's uh, that's what we're doing. That's what I'm doing with my, my accounts, my portfolio. Sorry I didn't have too many words of the wise today. But it's Friday and I'm going to go ahead and make a YouTube video as soon as I wrap this up. And I'm going to tell you about my song of the show in just a minute. So the song of the show is by Los Defantos. They are a Latin, I want to say Mexican, but they're from uh, Los Angeles. The song is called Born, Raised, and Passed Away in East LA. My kids sing this song. Kind of funny. I love the guitar sound. The guitar sound in this song, especially that intro, is just, it's haunting. And it has such a, a spooky Latin feel to it. I almost feel that it can only be played by somebody that's Latin. I don't know why I think that, but I love this song. It's a Psycho Billy song. Starts out really nice, gets a little fast. And if you're not familiar with Psycho Billy, you, you should at least have gotten a taste of it from me. Now go to YouTube, type in Dapper Dividends playlist, and all the songs that I talk about, I play. I add them there. I can't play. I wish I could play them on the show, but I can't. So boo-hoo. Check them out. Los DeFundos, Born, Raised, Passed Away. Some of that psychobilly flair that gets me going, that always makes me smile. They came out in the early 2000s. I believe they're defunct. So uh, Los DeFundos, by the way, means the deceased is the translation. And I believe that band is deceased, not the members, but the band is not performing any longer. But that's okay. They left me with some really great music, and I dig it. So go ahead, check it out. Follow me on Twitter, at RustyRam78. Make sure to check out my YouTube channel, Dapper Dividends of the same name. And I will get out of here. Peace. See all y'all next week. Have a good weekend, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday.